Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, a homo sapien of the male varietal in his mid to late 30s, born and raised in Sheffield, England, now residing in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Keeping things factual this week to avoid any complications, his name is Luke Gledall. Welcome, Luke. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you very much, Rich. Thank you for the earnest and um, conscious sweet mm. uh in sweet and curt introduction to me <laughs> to, to this another episode of different gravy not just another chef of wednesday podcast it's happening it's, it uh... is it is it's much like a uh, football that's happened we can't refute that it hasn't happened you know i don't think it's something that we put up on wikipedia and then someone would come along and say citation needed no we've got the uh, we've got the rss feed to show for it it's all uh, it's all there it's all present and accounted for um I suspect we'll have a fair amount to uh, digest in regards to the weekend's game. So maybe it makes sense to to sort of speed us along into eventual... Breaking hoo-hoos. Hoo-hoos. Uh, yeah, so obviously there's a game midweek, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll cover that. But just before that, it's uh, the other thing that's sort of... It's been talked about and... Um, you know, rumoured for a while, but it was presented officially now to clubs, uh, was this idea of a, a salary cap. Um, and I just, I wondered what you thought about that, Luke. Uh, obviously, you're based in North America. Most American sports have some form of salary cap. And I, I suppose as well, being in the kind of colder north end of North America, the effect that that has on talent, effectively. Well, I guess it's interesting because I kind of feel like coming up Coming up in the ranks is probably becoming my almost kind of second sport. I have a quiet affection for baseball. Maybe it's this slight kind of meditative um, contemplation and a little bit similar to my experience of going to baseball. It's a bit like a bit like how I remember cricket. You know, it's a bit of a mm-hmm. piss up. It's a bit of a long kind of, uh, you know, it's a bit of a day out kind of mentality. I quite like baseball. American mm. football is okay. Um, probably felt like I had a period, and I, I don't know if I'm so huge on it these days. Um, probably come second in the ranks is hockey. Um, so the interesting thing is, like, <clears throat> you know, it's really interesting to think about. I mean, typically thinking and looking at North American sports, there's no relegation, there's no promotion, so there's no great kind of disparity of finances that we have. Mm. And I think the nature of this is it's the transitioning between those leagues is the biggest issue i think in english football yeah there's no beautiful there's no best way to kind of go up and you know kind of change gears in a natural way that never really happens and then coming down is even worse um, yeah, it's, fun. it's interesting because we've seen teams do go the two main routes are you kind of do what burnley did very successfully you go up don't spend any money really come back down a lot richer build a really good squad that takes you up and stays up the next time the alternative is a bit well the team we've we played this weekend fulham um you go and spend quite a lot of money and then you've got to pair it back quite considerably but they've yeah. they've maybe managed to do that model better than most because they are right back in consideration mm. whereas some teams do sort of well Huddersfield who it's weird that actually it's happened in the week Huddersfield spent a bit of money in that second uh, preparing for that second season and their team got much much worse as a result <laughs> so 
so it's and they're, they're you know they're, they'll probably be safe but they've they've really struggled this season they're not they're certainly not one of the the contenders for a promotion which there was some touting of uh, i guess but, the thing i wanted to say about that you know, so the interesting in hockey is it's very publicized what deals people make it's common knowledge but yeah we seem to kind of obfuscate that there's no transparency in regards to that so we it's conjectured how much football players make mm. but there's not a culture of making that you know public knowledge and that's no. seen as very forbidden um I mean, I know there are reasons behind that. I mean, at, at the top of my head, I'm kind of struggling to see why. I, I, I know there are there are decent reasons why. I guess I'm wondering if you would go to a salary cap, you'd probably have more of a transparency around what people earn, possibly. Yeah, but then what? I don't know why transparency is needed. Like, why should we know what people earn? I don't know what you earn. <laughs> Do you know can, why? Why just because they're sporting figures? Do we? Well, I'm, I'm more than happy to tell you off the podcast, Rich. That's okay. I don't. I actually don't. I don't care. Um, not that. I don't, you know. I, oh, I, that's hard. Do care. Oh, that's I care about you, Luke. I care for you. Oh, thank you. Do thank not you. care what you earn. It doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> Um, you know, I hope you're doing okay. I presume, you know, well, oh dear, right. Um, we, we managed to stumble into a weird corner again, but but it, I suppose what I'm saying is just purely because they're public figures, it's, it's interesting. So, um, I've talked often about one of the other sports that I follow closely is mixed martial arts. Um, and most states in America, they do give at least the kind of um, the fight purse figures for for fighters, whether they are boxers or um, mixed martial artists or, you know, whatever the, the, the fight sport is. Um, they tend to give the figures which are their kind of their base uh, show and win bonus part of their their earnings. Uh, but Las Vegas, this is passing legislation to stop that happening. Um I think in part because it, it doesn't tell very much of the story in those cases because uh, most of the earnings are, are, are from the pay-per-view elements for, for the big the big fighters. So mm. what their kind of earned purse and things like that is is, is actually kind of a fraction of what, what the, the bigger picture is. So it doesn't tell you very much. Um, so, I'd, yeah, I'd, I don't necessarily feel that there is a public interest sort of angle other than it, it would be intriguing to know and I'm sure... You know, folks on Twitter slagging off players would love to know that such and such a player is on whatever a wage so that they yeah. can quote it but back I, to them. I guess I feel in the sake of hockey, the interesting thing is everyone knows what kind of, uh, if I'm looking at my, my hockey team, which is a Calgary Flames, um, there have been moments in the season where it's like, oh, they have this amount of left in the salary cap or they need to renew this yeah. player. But they have this amount of. I don't know if it just becomes more. It's a different. It's a very different feel. Maybe it just kind of filters to all. We'd all like to think that we could all be. Um, we could all be mini football managers, and I think there's kind of a bit of thrill that comes from playing a lot of these football simulation management games of doing seemingly a bit of wheeling and dealing in a fictional virtual world. Yeah. Um. So, I guess there's that. I. I I guess the interesting thing is I think you can think about this, and I think a lot about this, about the, especially about the salary cap. I was thinking about this week and thinking, how well, how would it work for teams coming down from the Premier League um, with the parachute payments, you know, the mandated fail, failure payments, which are all the more bitter for us Wednesday fans that we were, on the last, we were one of the last teams to not get them. Mm. You know, and then we've very much been a team that's been mired from that, that financial slip from the Premier League. 
and from those I, days. I think it would exacerbate that problem because presumably you've got to give them time to transition. As we've found, simply having players that you're not happy with is not enough to get rid of them. They need to be, you know, they need to be paid off or sold. And if they're sold, somebody needs to be interested in buying them. So, mm. like, I mean, Wildsmith is a typical, you know, if we if we sudden if say there's a salary cap in the championship and there's a stricter one in League One, if we got relegated, he's someone that you would look at look at and go, well, yeah, you've got to get rid of him because the salary cap. But wh- well, how? Because you have to pay him. <laughs> Nobody would want him. Mm. Um, um, but so- I, I think that there must be a way around doing that, I think. And I think that the thing I wanted to say was, even if there are problems still, I think you need to... I think we really need to go down this route of having a salary cap because... I, I guess this is the interesting thing, and maybe I'm just creating a false kind of argument here. The weakness I will say to the argument is the mentality is we're brought in financial fair play to basically say clubs are overspending, this will stop them overspending. It's not really stopping them overspending. Um, it's maybe the argument I've seen for financial fair play is that <sighs> there's less clubs that have gone into administration since it's been brought in. I don't know if that's true. I thought that's what I've heard or what okay. I've, I've seen. Maybe. But I mean, it could be complete bollocks. I, I mean, I'm, that that is also fair. It feels like a lot this season. But then obviously financial fair play doesn't really sort out issues such as... The thing that's kind of irritating me, well, there's a lot of things irritating me. <laughs> the yeah. thing that kind of really pissed me off, especially with, um, you know, and we all know we're just, uh, especially people listening to this podcast know that we're real massive status quo fans. <laughs> and you know, you all know how much that we talk about our love of um, uh, everyone's favorite um, Rick, Rick uh, Parfit. Parfit, yes. Rickless. Parius, um, <laughs> that that chap that chap in question, how much we just love him on this podcast. We absolutely adore the chap. The thing that really kind of pissed me off, and what the things that he was saying was, he kind of came round and said, I think it was like an interview last, not last week, the week before, where he basically was saying, well, the football league is effectively a you know it's all these clubs together so the governance is effectively put on the people it's it's kind of basically him saying it's a democracy that is voted for by the clubs so effectively they're the ones in charge but again the problem i really have with that is why are you pay, why are you drawing a wage then yeah i feel like it's a politician coming out and saying well we're a bit we're a bit powerless aren't we really you know, we don't really do much. We're not really going to have much effect on doing anything. I suppose what he's doing is paying, he's trying to take, um, imply, we're employing the radar suggestion voted on by the clubs, which is how the organisation is set up. But uh, it's, so my, well, okay. So I think it's interesting that one of the, the reasons that you feel a salary cap is a good idea is that FFP isn't working. So one set of rules isn't working. So let's put in another set of rules. Um <laughs> Sure. It's it's an interesting line of thinking. Um, I, I my worry with the salary cap is that there is there's already a huge draw, particularly for overseas players, to be in London, particularly big cities, but um, the South, London uh, in particular. And I what I was trying to hint at is the clubs north of the 
border have often struggled to get talent because effectively what happens by and large with a salary cap is everybody's paid roughly the same amount of money. And if I can earn the same amount of money and live in London Mm. as I do living in Sunderland, why would I pick to live in Sunderland? Uh, Nothing against Sunderland, but there's a choice. One is a huge cosmopolitan place where if I'm well, they all Croat just need... or Bulgarian or whatever. There will be people. There will be a, a neighbourhood I can go to that will have the food I like and the people I like. Do you know what I mean? It's so that's one big thing. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I think well, they all just they need all to do, do the Charlie Methan thing and go up there and be like, it's not, it's not, it's not too bad, really. It's not actually. I've only seen one person eating a dead person. Actually. Um, <laughs> Excellent. But, uh, but also, do you think that there's also the pro for that is basically like, do you think that's maybe going towards a, a, a mentality the model had in like the MLS, where basically a lot of people are drawing some pretty uh, uh, bad salaries? There's also a hilarious story I want to kind of inject in here. Well, actually, sorry, let me just say first, you've got about one or two berths for designated players within the MLS. Yes. Yeah. So basically, it's like you can pay these top stars, which is, is kind of led to bringing up the profile of the sport of bringing in players players on kind of to be very harsh to the league a kind of semi-retirement contract yes my experience of seeing a i've seen two mls games no i've seen two mls teams no one proper lms game mls game (laughs) and one game where it was actually a CONCACAF game which is not oh, yeah. um it's not actually a competition about a cafe setup where people <laughs> play conkers it's actually the oh, north shame. american equivalent <laughs> exactly north american equivalent of the champions league so basically i got to see um toronto fc before they've kind of really created themselves to be i guess one of the powerhouse mm. of the uh, MLS, even to the point where I think they have a player in, in Giovinco who it's almost coming like to the argument of like, oh, actually, you know, he could play at numerous high profile leagues in Europe, but he chooses to stick, you know, in he's, the he's uh, a flat track bully. in Trana, Trana. in uh, one of the, in the six. Um, but anyway, before that, it was effectively Torsten Frings as Toronto FC, because that was the old knackered um, yes. still 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 you know still sweating talent more than any other players <laughs> and um i got to see uh, phil eckersley as well the uh, oh, you wow. know the rejected manu youngster who had a stint at burnley as well so where was i kind of going with this oh my word i've got myself into a bit of uh i've got stuck in my uh, harry Maguire turning circle here rich <laughs> Um, so anyway, there was also a fun story as well about the MLS, about how you have a designated player and you pay them bucket loads. There's a fun story about how like when Beckham was at LA Galaxy, the whole squad went out for a meal and uh, they split it between themselves, all of them, when Beckham was there. And I'm like, Beckham is getting paid fortunes and fortunes to yes. go and play for LA Galaxy. Also with the upside of which he's done, where now he basically has his own, you know, he has his own hand in a MLS franchise in Miami. Um, so just very funny that like players who are getting paid like 50,000 US are asked to uh, stump up for their uh, Applebee's or whatever, whatever <laughs> restaurant they went to. So I, but the thing I want to say was having that designated player, this is the point I was getting on to. It's kind of coming to that. So then maybe you would probably have a bit more of a kind of slight equalization of players because like players would be a bit like, well, I, I can be the big dog here. Or, you know, I might not have the opportunity to, to move to many teams. 
so that might kind of be a bit of an equalizer really yeah i don't know, I don't know just, if you'd have to keep maybe you'd have a mentality of saying that like a club comes down from the premier league and you say okay your parachute payments they're there to pay off players that you still have on your books on those yeah. contracts and then basically you can't engineer any money into this I, what will happen again what will happen again i think it's important to do that but effectively it's not going to solve everything you're effectively going to have the same situation that happens now where basically um wayne rooney's contract is paid by um by a betting agency and yeah it's oh wayne rooney's going to play okay what numbers is he going to play 32 um who are our sponsors oh 32 red hmm yeah. and he gets red in the face every game just to professional <laughs> services <laughs> <laughs> and the commentators have to say a bit like how they have to say like the you know the etihad fly emirates fa cup or whatever um they have to say 32 is red um and they're also banned from saying always bet on black as well <laughs> there's a couple of things though because clubs will always try and find loopholes and i believe exactly. sort of rugby super league um the way they do that is sponsorships so those sort of club sponsors pay a big chunk of wage to the players so on the books you're pay you're only you know your wage is only whatever it's allowed to be so i mean there is always going to be loopholes but i don't think that's about that's a good good enough reason to not implement a rule if it's a good one exactly exactly I just think that basically any loopholes you have will mutate and evolve. And I think that's an unfortunate. Like, we we had a period. Remember that period when, like, Watford effectively um, yes. basically just loaned all the, you know, from their parent club? And, like, Udinese and... Oh, there's a whole there's a whole wealth of them, isn't there? There's a whole there is, family yeah. of clubs. Is it the Pocho family? Is that what the names are? The, That's are right, yeah. yeah. So they did all that, and then essentially, like, I remembered actually... Um, there's a funny kind of just going to drop a name here it was the um the year i came to calgary and i was staying in um an apartment i rented from my friend day and then he went to costa rica and said do you want to loan the whole place i said no and he said okay well we can get other people from airbnb in. and i managed to weirdly stay with an australian comedian called ed cavalli um which is another kind of weird story in itself um he's ed's actually weirdly a blackpool fan um we right. actually had like, a really fun kind of conversation i'm <laughs> get too much into that but i remember talking to him about what watford were doing and i remember looking you know him kind of having this revelation seeing on his face when he brought up wikipedia and saw all the players he's like they won't get away with this and i'm like they will because the law is the law is there's nothing against that but now we've closed this and the really funny thing was i remember watford fans kind of being you know a mild kind of uh swaggery pros you know yeah swaggery defensiveness about all this kind of going on like one of them saying on either an internet message board or twitter being like well you know you guys can do this as well and it's like yeah but not everyone is fortunate enough to have Several be taken over by an owner who's you know i've got like five clubs on the go yeah. and i can just ferry players back and forth to suit whatever needs of what's financially viable and which one's more appealing in whichever league really I think the the problem will well there's several problems though with I, I what I think I've got more problem with the type of cap suggested than I have with the idea of a cap altogether. I think just setting an arbitrary figure and saying that's the salary cap doesn't give any incentives for clubs to be run any better as businesses. I think probably saying that I think this is the UEFA way of doing things, although uh, that's um, that's not stood up to the rigors of real life either. But um, but saying like you can only allow X amount of your 
turnover to go on wages, I think is probably a fairer way to do it. Because then if you're a better run club, if you've got income sources, if you've got more fans, you naturally deserve to have better players, I think. That seems fair just in the world of that we live in. We live in a capitalist society. But we do that. We seemingly have like good attendances. We have high ticket revenues. Um, but seemingly there's a mentality which I've never really got my head around, which is basically seemingly saying that like, um, to play at Hillsborough is a very costly affair for some reason. Yeah, but then we should address, like, those are deep-seated long-term issues that we should have addressed. You know, why don't we make anywhere near the money per fan that other clubs do? And partly it's because pretty much all of our dining options have been, you know, the kiosks and things like that have barely changed at all the whole time you and I have been going to football matches. Mm. It's completely stagnant. So you'd be rewarded. I think if you allow investment, which it still is is allowed, you are allowed to invest in your training facilities, um, I think your stadium, and certainly community efforts. So you're allowed in your to academy spend. as well. Yeah, exactly. So there are things you're allowed to invest money in. This would be a way to kind of make that more worthwhile because if you did manage to sell off a player or two that you'd produced yourself, if you did manage to have a roaring trade happening in your club shop, if you did manage to have a an award-winning pie that everybody wants to ha- have, you know, I'm no, I'm, I'm spitballing a little bit, but like those things should be there should be a place for that to be rewarded, and I, that's what it makes more sense to me to say that the salary cap is tied to the performance of the club as a as a company Mm. um i I just think that's a better way because i i do really fear that you'd end up with just sort of well i mean yeah it doesn't it's not across the board as you say toronto's a a a high performing team in in uh in their league but by and large you've got situations where players it's like do i go to wisconsin or something in the middle of nowhere or do I go to one of the bustling, or do I go play my the same exact same sport for the exact same salary in LA or Miami? And lo and behold, I probably want to go do that somewhere that's sunny and pleasant. Yeah, yeah, but there's also like there's not so much that like um, what's the thing that I want to say? Like it can only happen so much. There's only so many quality football players, right? Yeah, but then worldwide, there's so many football teams. Mm. I don't know. I think the I think the quality of the football would suffer massively. I think it would become very very hard for teams in unfashionable places to to get a foothold in things. Um, yeah, I just because that's a, a thing that. Even in the Premier League, with all the riches of the Premier League, top players have the choice of where they go because they'll get paid masses wherever. So Mm. they almost have their own salary cap because it's like, well, I can get my stupid amount per week, whatever it is, you know, my 200,000 a week. I'll get that at Barcelona, Madrid, Man United. (laughs) You know, there's about 50 clubs I can go to that will pay me that wage. So it's just take my pick, choose your own adventure. Um, And I've, I've heard Gary Neville talk at length about the problems of of getting players to come to the north already and that's when there's no salary cap so i just yeah i just i just really worry that we would be a lot of clubs would be really signing themselves up for 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 some problems down the line with the salary cap we should leave that where it is there's other things to get on with um so (laughs) maybe we'll come back to it when there's a few more details uh the other the other bit of news that we should mention in passing still no news about the efl charge we are still in limbo land we are still in schrodinger's relegation battle um 
And as part of Shredder, we're almost in Flim 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 Land, just outside of Hull. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very good. Sorry, wasn't really worth interrupting you for, was it, Rich? I loved it. When I got it, I loved it. Sorry, Rich. We're in Limbo Land, as you were saying. Yeah, you know. We're at Sandals Sandals Resort in Jamaica, and we are in Limbo Land. Um, but part of part of the yeah, Schrodinger's relegation battle, we played... We had a six-pointer, or maybe not. Maybe just another game um, against Huddersfield Town. What did you um, What did you think, Luke? It's it's difficult. I mean, we we watch. Um, you and I have, have watched. I think we've watched nearly every game this mm. season. We've covered every game between us. Um, yes. We have covered every game. At least one of us has cast eyes on at least you know at least one game, if not both of us. Yes. So um, it's it's difficult to look and to think. The thing I was thinking about when I was watching the Huddersfield game is this 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 might just be um, one of those games. Another tight battle that you know think this is not really going to make the history books. This is not a. This is neither a high point nor a low point in a season. It just happens. It just happens. It's just one of those games. Um, I'm not exactly aware of the stats, but I, I think there's there's a quote that my dad told me about baseball, which is basically kind of saying because they have you know massive seasons within mm. Major League Baseball. It's kind of the mentality is you win. It's something like you win. Someone said you win 40 games, you lose 40 games. It's what you do in the rest of those, the other games outside of that. Yeah. So like the problem is it might be exactly fine to have a game like that, which is a nil-nil dull draw. It's a clean sheet, but you know, we didn't score against Huddersfield. Um, the problem is looking at it from a contemporary standpoint, the fact that me and you are looking back at this, something that happened three days ago, four days ago, it was Tuesday, wasn't it? It 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 was frustrating. It felt a lot like a Gary Monk game, I want to say, mm-hmm. which is basically, this is kind of what we, when we pick up Gary Monk, uh, Gary Monk flakes at the supermarket, <laughs> and we look on the back and um, there's a little kind of um, honey, honey monkster. Uh, that's the, that's <laughs> the, that's the mascot, a little coy smile. And uh, it, this one also does when you have it does make you your wee smell. Uh, <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> but weirdly, of celery. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. Can I just also tell you as well? I think I found a uh, an axe body spray that smells faintly of cilantro, and I'm really happy about it. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many of these. uh, No, it's it's called. um, I think I I had it nearby. It's uh, it's called Wild. I think which one of the things is Jungle Pine. Oh, excellent. Excellent. It's funny, you know, with the whole. You know, there's there's several kind of. um, Well, in the UK, that's definitely the case. There's several hasty ad campaigns on the back of kind of black lives matter and and this kind of movement and yes. uh, clearly the, the the good people at links or acts um were like do you think people are gonna cancel links africa is that gonna happen we need to get an ad out there and we need a black person on there i think we need and they, they've basically got anthony uh, joshua um but no. Oh no! It's, like, it's okay to call it Africa because look, he's a he's a large black gentleman, uh, and you're just like, oh, I don't know. It's still quite weird. 
But it, yeah, it's change just really thrown together in five minutes. It's like they're um, they're like playing at the football now. We probably need to do something about this. Oh, it's <laughs> like um, in a towel. get him in a towel. In, in, in the week where Washington Redskins are changing their name finally, and also the Edmonton Eskimos, the CFL team as well. Ah, as Eskimo is an offensive term. Do you think they were um, holding out for each other to? It's like we won't crack until the Eskimos crack. <laughs> we're gonna be offensive so. as long as they are. We'll see, see you, Blinks first day. Yeah. Um, I wonder if Lynx might change Lynx Africa to Lynx Wakanda and both get a lawsuit from Marvel and cancelled in general. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, so essentially, when we pick up the uh, the monk flakes at the supermarket, yes. what it should say, basically, the customer promise, which they've been held by the trade standards, should say that it would be, you know, we keep tight defenses. And, you know, for those games where it's tight and it's very defensive, we'll probably have moments where you think, oh, you know, we could have scored. And that's very much a Gary Monk game of football. And that was the Huddersfield game was just a quintessential Gary Monk football. So, I mean, nice that we kept a clean sheet. We and maybe def- kept, yeah, sorry. You know, and we kept clean sheets in two of a, up to uh, today. <laughs> um, we either defend and keep a clean sheet or and look completely toothless or try and play an active part in the game and um, just leak goals like it's going out of fashion. Yeah. Yeah, so we I, do we do make it rain in the club with um, conceding goals, don't we? Really? I think yeah. I sort of summarised it as two kind of poor, fragile-looking teams. Mm. Like we've we had a weird confidence coming from the QPR game, but it just felt very you know we're picking ourselves up. We're 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 Bambi on ice, but we just know mm-hmm. that there's still that ice right there. <laughs> you know, we're we're just. And- tentatively moving along looking at huddersfield i was surprised i was surprised oh, this is gonna be real damning praise about huddersfield I was surprised how good they were considering it sounded like a lot of times previously the things i'm hearing about huddersfield was they're a very poor side and they're looking incredibly short on confidence um i thought they looked well drilled but they had very little in terms of quality we had a hell of a lot more quality in front of goal that game um maybe it's a little bit heartbreaking for the harris the Harris shot. Yeah, which was that was really good. Um, again, also, and I did, I, I found myself incredibly frustrated by this weekend of football um, that um, I had, have Fridays off now. So I was watching the, um, was watching the Huddersfield West Brom game where they basically just picked off West Brom who were completely wasteful and should have had the game completely buried. And, um, you know, maybe I thought their goalkeeper, their young goalkeeper, they've gone loans at Lossel. Yes. Got from Everton. I thought he looked quite good. Um, you know, and pulled off a really brilliant stop for for that Harris shot as well. He did. It was sort of a weird. So yeah, you, they kind of had a, probably had a bit of the better of the play. They definitely had more possession, but we, as you say, we kind of looked the more dangerous and pro- and had the better chances. Probably the one the team coming away sort of thinking maybe we should have grabbed a goal. It yeah. was strange. I thought Odebajo had maybe the best game of anyone from from our team. Yeah. Uh, and I thought Tom Lee's looked pretty good throughout. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. It was a good defensive performance. Um, um, just I also again, the Cruz takes his corners from a really weird bit of the corner area. <laughs> Does he really? He takes them off the pitch. So maybe the ball is technically just on the pitch, but it's like, yeah, it's it's um, it's behind the goal line, which I've wow. never seen anybody do before. I've seen them go out further, you know, try and make it a wider angle, which makes yeah. sense. But it's interesting because he's curling them in. It's weird that he's starting from further back. Mm. 
obviously it's been working for him. His corners have been a real highlight, um, by and large. It's certainly a lot <laughs> better than Barry Bannon's corners, right? Yeah, although, well, today was interesting, <laughs> set-piece-wise. Today's set-pieces are pretty bad, let me see. Anyway, it was... Uh... It was a you football know, match. Felt, felt like a football match that we could probably afford to be a nil-nil. But the problem is in this context, the problem now, maybe it's just another one in the litany of, you know, missed chances. I mean, coming into today, just to jump ahead quickly before we kind of fully get into it, before we get into the rhythm, maybe you could say today was the day that we feel that it could feel like a cornerstone of the story of Wednesday going into League One again. Yeah, I th- I've seen some people sort of trying to grasp apart positive from it in that we don't look like a worried we're not playing like a worried team um but i just don't i don't believe that the players know anything more than we do on on this case because it's it's a very mini version of this but like the 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 big thing with lots of conspiracies is just the practicality of all those people keeping quiet all, so if the team and the manager know, presumably the other members of the staff know, you're, you're already talking about like a hundred people and none of them saying. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? It just forget, it stretches credulity in terms of them having an inside line. I just think they're complacent. We've been complacent since Christmas. I don't think anything's changed in their demeanour. Uh, what's annoying is, as we sort of touched on, G- Gary Monk absolutely has failed to make this a rallying cry, uh, 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 us against them battling team that he's kind of, you know, they're in the bunker and they're kind of hatching plans to overthrow the opposition kind of thing. That's just not happening. That's not the mentality the team is playing with. It's it's lackadaisical. It's, they're on the holidays with other teams in our position, which they shouldn't be. Because, as you say, we could just as easily be in League One this time next week, depending on how things go. Should we talk so on that brilliant light note? <laughs> should we talk about the game against Fulham? Let's go ahead and do it. Luke loves lineups. What did you think of the lineup today, Luke? <clears throat> I thought it was fair enough. I was, you know, because I, I guess the interesting thing was. So here's the thing contextually, you know, we tried. It was the game away at... It was QPR last week, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, and we won 3-0. And the real revelation of that game was bringing Murphy on in a shadow striker role. Yeah. And that was just fantastic. And then we said, right, more please, midweek. Starts starts and kind of disappoints, falters. Murphy's dropped to the bench. Which, to be fair, I mean, Monk, you can question the motivational side of things, but that yes. is a bit of a tale of the season, is I've... I've I've conjured yes. up a brilliant plan. This works. We've won three nil. We'll mm-hmm. do the same thing again, mm-hmm. and then nothing. And it, uh, Murphy mm-hmm. and Hunt really disappointed against Huddersfield. I thought. And I'm not going to be too harsh on Hunt. He's a young lad. He's playing a lot of football at the moment, comparative I... to what he's done before. I was actually weirdly disappointed that Hunt didn't start. Today. I didn't think. Yeah, I didn't think it was quite. I didn't think he was quite as bad against Huddersfield. Um, but I'm not I'm not too swayed about that. You no. know, I, I, I kind of put at the time, contextually, when I was looking at the lineup, I said I can maybe see that Joey P has his time to be in the team. I was going to say shine, but I think that's a little bit positive. It's a bit too positive. Um, <laughs> again, I was, but I'm confused by, but again, it's that mentality of like, yeah, like you said, we've tried something. We tried our first half formation and then we need to scrap it and then get a change. And then the change is the thing 
that is so positive and so great. And then we think, yes, we need that from the start and next turn. And then it just yeah. goes back to something else. Yeah. So it becomes a cycle. It's very much a tale of this season for Sheffield Wednesday, especially under Gary Monk. But saying that, I was I was really confused by De Cruz starting again. Um, it's again, it's fine right now. Like, I'm happy. I'm still happy with, well, Windass was a bit quiet midweek, wasn't he? Well, the thing, the, so what was frustrating, we're now, yeah, it's, it's actually, I think, in a way, helpful to take the two games together in some ways. Because... <sighs> It's what a bit like what we the what we ended talking about last week was how much was us being good and how much was QPR being bad and in particular being so kind of bloody minded with holding their high line mm. when we were clearly making mincemeat of them over the top and Huddersfield just sat deeper and we couldn't get the ball in behind so it absolutely didn't work. Murphy didn't get the chances. Windus didn't get the space. We just weren't able to get the ball over the top of their defenders because they stood halfway into their half rather than on the halfway line. And I was sort of surprised that we went again for two quick guys up front against Fulham. I mean, maybe they're notably slow, but I don't remember Hector being particularly slow. I do know he's massive. Uh, So, you know, trying to get balls round and over the top of him is going to be tricky. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised it was De Cruz. I, 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 I'm surprised it wasn't one of the bigger pl- players to try something a bit different. Because, yeah. But then, in the same way, we got four points in a week from playing the two quick lads up top and trying to hit balls over the top. So, I can kind of see why you keep that. Yeah, that I just, I just felt there was a mentality of like midweek of us getting pressed and then not really getting it down the wings and effectively then just lumping up top. Yeah. So um, I, I, I'm i very keen to not be, you know, maybe maybe the tagline of Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast, is wise after the event. Yeah. And I, I don't want to keep doing that. But again, I it, it's it's that whole thing with the crews up front is like, I think we said this about Jordan Rhodes, is like, we, we know with Rhodes um we know with Rhodes that he's gonna do we know what his role is even if sometimes it's not devastating devastatingly positive you know um yeah I don't know it's not no I know I know I I just thought I think you can consider obviously QPR a success you can consider midweek in some ways a relative success we didn't lose we didn't score but maybe we should have won so I think keeping the same format of two quick guys but just rotating the less important of those two because i think windass is key to playing that that getting in behind type role is giving him that free role he seems to relish in it he's got quite a bit of quality on the ball he looks to sort Mm -hmm. of play things in behind he looks to read things in behind so i think it makes sense you rotate the other guy because they're less important than uh than windass um de cruz is fresher than murphy yeah it, there's at but this like, point in the it's a lot of managing energy managing yeah that's as much I of mean, anything that's happening at the moment as anything else i think De Cruz for the term of maybe his fitness energy and kind of his profile as a player um maybe in that regard it's he offers a little bit more height as well he's a bit taller stronger than 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 murphy who really but he's again he's a bit non-committal he's a bit power puff he's a bit yeah nasty. Yeah, you know, but he's also the problem is like in terms of like plays for the team during this during this definition. I wondered today whether 
again, wise after the event, maybe 4-4-2. But again, I don't know if we have quite a number of personnel right now. That's the problem. We don't really have a personnel in fullback right now. No. You know? so we, we, but it would help us to have that solidity and two banks of four. And I maybe wonder if him having a defensive partner would be, De Cruz might be a better winger as part of one of the fronts, you know, as part of that kind of partnership of the fullback, you know, so maybe that gives him a bit less stuff to do defensively. He definitely can't do uh, the wingback role in a 3-5-2. He doesn't no, have the energy no, no. and the tenacity. So I can see why you're maybe doing that. I think what's interesting, I don't know. I think how important Murphy's yeah. been, is that Odebajo's kind of hold, held his place for the, the, the three games. Yeah, That's the and, I, and that was the funny thing, was because, you know, you could think about Murphy coming on, and it's still... It's still with Murphy. It's still <laughs> right now. And I think as most of the time, I think we still need Murphy on the pitch more often than not, really. So, I mean, I, but then I, I couldn't besmirch dropping Adebajo effectively. No. Um, so, so the game sort of kicked off and a fairly sort of slow start meandering to things. Um, but that only lasted 10 minutes and Hector hit a lovely long pass over the top. Adebajo fell on his face. And Cabano, he did hit it early, but Wildsmith is miles out of position. Seemed to be stood in the middle of the goal uh, and got beat at his near post. It didn't look good, did it? No, no, it did not. Cabano's got a bit of a history against us, I think. He's, he's, uh, I, I remember him doing quite well several times. Apparently, he's not played very much this season. But I remember, you know, Fulham beat us. Before the playoff games, they were the last. We were already in the playoffs, and and mm. Carlos kind of took the game off. And right. I think I think Cabano picked up two goals that day as well. Mm. Um, they also had another chance fairly close after that, where Hector had again played a lovely pass. That's the interest. So Fulham, there's there's Michael Hector from uh, from last season, the man you know what a what could have been type player, uh, mm. and also Josh Onomar uh, was playing for them, who's. Uh, mm had a sort of in-and-out kind of time with us, but there was talk about him potentially coming back for another season, and that didn't happen either, so... I, I, I didn't mind Onoma during his, you know, his Wednesday stint. The thing I want to say was I don't remember him being as pacey as he was at times. I remember one occasion where I was like, he looked like he had some real legs on him, and I, I never thought he was like a slow player, but he just never kind of unleashed that at Wednesday in a weird way. I think your kind of description of De Cruz as being a bit powder puff and undercommitted could probably have gone for Onomar last season as well. Mm. I remember he got himself in good positions, but his shots were regularly just like P-rollers, passes back to the goalkeeper. Do you think that, um, do you wonder if maybe it was a bit of a confidence thing for him at Wednesday? Possibly, like he didn't he look... was also returning from an injury, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Was he... Seem to be always taking gambles on players that have spent a year out injured, and maybe another, you know, another year of playing. He's back to where he was. But there seems to be a bit of a dialogue from, or maybe it was some kind of fan website I kind of saw, or some Spurs fan that kind of commented was basically like, "Let's look at Onomer at Wednesday and saying, you know." It was, they seem to be disappointed in his performances at Wednesday as well, seeing and feeling that maybe he was going to be a player who was going to push on to have a bit of a first-team kind of viewpoint at Spurs. Mm. And it was really funny seeing that because I was just felt like replying or you know getting a message to this guy and saying, it's, it's never been. It's, it's, it doesn't look like anywhere near 
that level of quality. He did look um, he looked bright today. I, I, I think he faded, which we, we're used to. He seems to only have about a half of football in him um, before he needs to come off or, or he's just a passenger. Um, but obviously he, he did play a part in, in uh, one of the goals today as well. So he, he made, his, made his quality pay. Um, it's worth saying when, when Hector played that lovely sort of outside of the, the boot pass in behind uh, Werner, that was a good save from Wildsmith. I think that on a day where he didn't really cut, I mean, if you let in five, you've not had a good day as a goalkeeper, um, even if they're all unsavable worldies. Um, so, yeah, on, on a day where there's going to be some criticism coming his way, he did make a good save in that case. Mm. Um, but we, we did have chances again. Harris, uh, mm. played really great ball into, which gave Harris basically half the pitch to run into free and clear. Um, I do... I did have a bit of deja vu of us talking about him in that same sort of situation, not pushing across the line of the defender and forcing them to either back off or foul him. You know, he kind of keeps himself safe and goes left, which is not his best foot. And it really showed when he shot with it that it was not his best foot. Um, you know, rather than pushing onto his good foot, making it more difficult to defend and getting his shot away probably much in a much stronger way, he, he sort of took the the option that favoured him the least in that situation. You know, the odds were dwindling as he pushed forward. But it was a nice break. It could have turned things around in the game. Um, we then had the good old drinks break. Uh, mm. <laughs> and I just... I just wrote, what did Monk say during the drinks break? Because Berner was then caught chasing the ball like a kid almost all the way to their box, leaving masses of space in behind him. He just about got into position when Onomar slotted the ball through to Mitrovic and um, he nutmegged Wildsmith. Mm-hmm. What do you make of those two... Uh, well, I suppose there's a bit of a... We should maybe just could save up the Wildsmith bits and pieces and talk about them. <laughs> what, was you, what, what were you feeling... At, I just thought we looked so low on quality and confidence. And I was really worried it was going to be another Brentford-style capitulation at that stage. So you're talking, sorry, you said at, and I didn't quite get the period. Do you, you mean half-time, Rich? This is this is 2-0. But yeah, there's, there was more to come, obviously, in that half. <laughs> yeah, there's more to come from down here. Come from there. Um... I had a decent volley, which again, Wildsmith saved well. I, oh, by the way, first half, I was on the FFC TV commentary. Oh, really? A um, couple of Cockney leads, and they started talking about goal difference, about that 30-minute that mark. This actually might be a nice chance to improve our goal difference. They really look like they're, they're shaking. They look like they're down, they've damn tools. <laughs> you know, talking about our quality on the bench, Jordan Rhodes, a lot of goals on that bench. Jordan Rhodes and Connor Wickham, a lot of goals. <laughs> All the knowledge of people who haven't watched Wednesday play, really. Exactly. <laughs> or maybe they are, do have a lot of goals, just maybe not on the Sheffield Wednesday side, maybe elsewhere. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know. Like I, The whole thing right now is the weird, weird, weird dynamic is goal difference really doesn't really matter at this point for either team. Like, Fulham aren't going to get enough on the board to make it even a, a point. Um, that's going to kind of determine the positions against West Brom and Brentford. Um, let's just kind of look at that after today. Yeah, this masses. It's uh, the 16 goals behind West Brom and yeah. 30, ne- nearly 30 behind. <laughs> 
Brentford who have yes. an insane goal yes. difference. It's not going to matter. And then the the bizarre thing for us is that like if it comes down with a points deduction, like even taking a hammering, we're still probably better off than some of the teams at the bottom yeah. in terms of goal difference. So it it doesn't hugely matter. I, I don't know what I thought at that point. I thought it was just just insanely disappointing again that, you know, it, again, it felt like this is a pressure situation. It's felt like we were going to be positive. It felt like Monk was saying that we're going to go there and we're going to try and win. You know, it felt like the signs we set up with a pretty still a fairly kind of attacking mentality. Um, and we didn't we never really got going in the first half in that aspect. I mean, yeah tiny rally <laughs> they're very tiny for about five minutes yeah we used to and, um, back to play that ball in where it looked like if luongo had jumped he might well have had a free header uh, he just sort of watched it go over his head and then we had a free kick and a corner in short order but bannon insisted on both those going short um and nothing came of them <laughs> mm. and then obviously 40 minutes I offer fouled Cabano for no good reason. No apparent reason, no. It was just uh, not needed at all. And it basically looked like he just ran through the back of back of the fallen players, Cabano's legs, basically. And just to sum up how well our day was going, even though Mitrovic slipped on his arse, he still managed to score his penalty. <laughs> it, mm. it, it, was, it was pretty terrible. As a half of football... There's very little to to pick out that was good. Uh, All three of the centre-backs in their own way were really poor, uh, partly in comparison to the Fulham defenders, but also just on their own merit. Iorfa's penalty was was terrible. I mean, childish to give away a penalty like that. The player is going headed to the corner flag, the far corner of the box. There's just no, absolutely no need to to make the tackle at all. And when you do... You're asking him to fall over. You know, the players in this league are good enough to take advantage when you do something stupid like that. Burnham looked so stodgy and lethargic and he just seemed to be in the wrong position so often. And Lees, I think it was more... I don't think Lees did anything particularly bad defensively himself, but it was just... When you see a back four that are so comfortable knocking the ball around, and I know they nearly get caught occasionally in second half, we actually did manage to catch them, but just by comparison, he is so frightened in possession. I mean, he's he does look like a dog do it, you know, doing his business and, and kind of looking at the corner of your eye of its eye at you to kind of check if you're looking or not, you know, shaking away, um, cowering in possession, and then generally giving the ball away with some pretty something pretty poor um bannon was having a pretty bad time of it and we only really had that one chance but it could have been pivotal if 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 harris had done better or if it had fallen to somebody else um so not much hope for the second half but we made three changes atty came on connor wickham and jacob murphy for windas de cruz and odobadjo very good second half substitutes or very yeah. good halftime substitutes. I think even on paper, just uh, but just especially looking at this game as well, just exactly what we kind of needed, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we lost any thought of pace in behind, <laughs> but um, mm. but yeah, it was so mu- it made so much more sense having that platform to build off. I like there was a little moment that the cameras captured of, of Atty and Stuart Gray having a, a warm little chat and a, and a fist bump, which I, I quite enjoyed. Nice. And, uh, I mean, I, I vaguely hope he was saying, I'll see you next season, but um, <laughs> 
either way, either Atty gets to have a try in the Premier League or uh, we get Stuart Gray back. Um, <laughs> I, I just picked out a little moment at 48 minutes, which there was two little bits in a row that were just so kind of illustrative of the issues I think maybe all season long, but particularly today. Wild Smith, they stood all the way off so that he could roll the ball out outside of his box and, and kick the ball along the ground. And responding to that, both the centre-backs did what you want to do. They, nice and positive, spun in behind their defenders to try and you know make fight for it if, it if it came to them. And what Wild Smith did was hit it straight down the middle of the two of them about chest height for the centre-back. Do you know what I mean? It's like, this is where we talk about quality at the back. Passing a ball from the back and lumping it are such different things. And passing it gives you a chance to do things. And just passing to the centre-back actually puts you in a position where you're, you're in trouble. Um, and there was another bit where Wickham kind of held the ball up well, fed it back to Bannon's, again spun in behind his centre back and Bannon passed it to the guy that Wickham had just held off he just there's just like little things like ah come on <laughs> it's just a little bit of quality a little bit of thought and care and attention is what is the difference here mm-hmm. um what did you make of the penalty incident for Wednesday um a little bit fortuitous <clears throat> so the second half I take it you were back on um the radio I went, I, yeah I, I changed to it uh, to um I went from a um, an illegitimate stream to a legitimate uh, stream, um, which performed a lot worse, and the picture quality was worse. But um, at least I didn't have to listen to two Cockney sparrows <laughs> chirping away. <laughs> so I mean, they actually didn't. See, I don't know who who were the main. I don't know who the. I, I'm kind of out of the loop with Radio Sheffield, but it doesn't seem. Uh, doesn't seem whoever the main commentator is. Uh, I think maybe for a long period of kind of growing up in, growing up or or kind of coming up, I should say, really back from my sabbatical and kind of coming back and kind of focusing on football heaven and Radio Sheffield. I think they do, and they used to have very much an incredibly gifted set mm. of commentators and journalists yeah um the days of um paul walker who even though even though as a as an oinker who's just a is very 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 wall, has a real, porker. wall porker has a very much a talent beth senate beth senate as well yeah again I, I again a little, so a little bit a little bit poor sign but again very talented <laughs> andy giddings is probably the lesser of those rob's Datton's was quite good mm. and has gone to better things. Um, whoever's doing the commentary wasn't very good, I must say. I don't see no. any, uh, probably a much better job than I would do, to be fair. But um, again, probably in com- damning in comparison to probably some of the people they've had. So having him commentate alongside, I'm glad John Pearson was there, you know. Yeah. I think that those, the, the talents of those. Those guys you talk about have probably been shown by the fact that they've got bigger and better jobs elsewhere. Um, I think Paul Walker tends to have something. So he seems to have some contract with the EFL directly. Like mm. quite often, when you see clip programs that are, you know, all of the matches in half an hour or whatever, Paul Walker will be the person doing the commentary for all those clips. Seth Bennett is involved at Five Live, I believe. And uh, as you yes. say, Rob Statton's had two promotions since leaving Radio Sheffield. So they, they, mm. they are very good, yeah, really good commentators. And it, and it showed, um, yeah, the current batch, maybe not so much. But as you say, yeah. I'm I, I haven't had as much interaction with them. Just yeah. as a real side note, I think I kind of enjoyed from some of the commentary 
or having them for the away stuff and then um, kind of they cut to the uh, whatever the music ident they use good luck by basement jacks featuring yes. uh, featuring the lady from the Belarus, which is like, I quite enjoyed that was uh, still after nice. that still 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 charming it worked so it does, it does. much like Gary Monk's mentality it worked last time let's do it again um, <laughs> so I mean they didn't see the penalty call they said they couldn't figure out what it was but I'm pretty sure it's it's uh, Murphy being fouled after the event which I guess is interesting I, I don't think I've seen a referee so Darren England was the referee for this match I'm yes, just looking for the notes um I don't think I've seen a referee give as many fouls, you know, after the event happened. Yeah. It, like, it, it, it seemed to be like they had them, uh, Fulham had a free kick on the edge of the box. Was it the one they scored from? But anyway, it was basically their player played it off because he knew he was going to run into Burner, I think it was. Yes. And then he did run into Burner. And then he got the free kick for it. It was I all three ran into, but yeah. I all th- it yeah. felt the same as that, really. I wonder like, if he was taking longer to get to things because it was a hot day. I don't want to kind of cast aspersions, but um, they were noting on the commentary that at the water breaks, the officials were taking on water, which they don't often do. Um, they quite often have a little conflab, but they don't take in any water. But they were doing it today because it was particularly hot. So I don't, I don't know whether just it was a bit of a struggle to keep up with play on such a hot day yeah so i um, mean it it seemed it, it was fortuitous for a penalty i mean definitely i, I wondered whether uh, you know formerly of this parish sam hutchinson was a person that would quite often do tackles where he won the ball but it was still a foul yeah and I do wonder it took me about the third or fourth time of watching it back but the keeper is got both feet off the ground it's a pretty wild lunge to stop he's kind of gone for a save but he's tackled murphy with it and i did wonder whether it's a rare occurrence of that type of a tackle happening in the box where even though he made a solid contact with the ball he's not in control of his body and putting other play putting the other player at risk as a result and therefore that's why it was given but um I mean, regardless, Atty took a lovely penalty, gave him the eyes and and just sort of calmly slotted it in the, mm-hmm. the opposite side of the goal from the keeper. And uh, that was after kind of an arm wrestle with Wickham, which <laughs> it looked like Bannon had to decide as captain who was allowed to take it. Um, but I, I loved Atty going and grabbing the ball and charging back to the halfway line with it. I, I really, I don't know. I love little moments like that. It's like, yeah, we're going to go do this. <laughs> Um, we had another positive situation fairly quickly after that, but um, it was yeah. A- well, I guess the funny thing was it looked like we looked, but we we don't ever really. I mean, football is rarely fairy tale, really. Let's be honest. Yeah. But it it seems like we've had quite a few moments this season, or it feels to be recurring. If we're down and we pull something back, you know, you can see that rise in belief, and just the players just seem a foot taller on the pitch, but. We're never very good at kind of taking advantage of that. No, of that head of steam, so to speak. Yeah, I know what you mean. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because there was that that decent save from Wickham. There was also the one where Wickham ran across the goal, and it was it was given as a foul quite quickly after the the, the penalty as well, which didn't look like it was a foul, and it looked like Wickham was just about starting to win that race, and maybe that would have been a chance as well. Yeah. So it's a bit. I think in momentum. Did you does, enjoy? Did you enjoy uh, Jakob Murphy's long throws? I did. I'm, I'm loving his work at this point in the season. He's. I know. He's, I know. He's. Um, if there's he's any doing positive what he to do. If there's any positive from this period, it's definitely Jacob Murphy. 
really. Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been the one that kind of long and it was going through and it, it just seemed to kind of drift through everybody, like through yes. bouncing. And yeah. it was like, you know, yeah. Yeah, was that the one where the where the foul was given against Wickham for sort of chasing so. it, being it a was, bit yeah. And that was disappointing because he thought, oh, almost, you know. Yeah, that just, the moment where it's free two, maybe. It was just when he was about to put his left foot through it, I think. You know, just it just kind of broken to him eventually. Um, I thought n- not a showcase particularly for um, Joey Pelopesi, but I did think he made a really good, brave challenge around the 65-minute mark when Mitrovic had absolutely done Tom Lees and just looked like he was going to score. And Pelopesi sort of put a really strong foot in from the side and left Mitrovic needing some treatment. But it was a good, clean tackle. Um, I thought that was a, a bit of a highlight for him in a less auspicious day. Um, do you know, sorry, just looking at him in these last two games, mm. he, he's had some positive comments from people and he definitely looks better on the front foot, like chasing the ball down and kind of maybe threading the odd pass through. But it's strange. I think the the role he's asked to play more often than not is to sit as the anchor. And he's very, he's an inactive anchor player like he holds his he holds his position he doesn't he's doesn't go sort of tearing around from there and i just i just wonder whether <laughs> not not the best of memories for for wednesday fans but we've touched on it before but o'connor and potter didn't quite often what would happen is potter would do the chasing and o'connor would sit which is stupid <laughs> it's nonsense isn't it yeah. and it's like that with like it would be better for Bannon to sit and Pelopesi to run around like a like a dog chasing a crisp package. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> we had a really nice little move started by a Bannon flick uh, at the 69th minute, uh, but Murphy's cross was fairly easily dealt with. But that was a nice little passing movement. I think four or five players involved in a, a quick, decisive move. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, 73rd minute is where they they scored from that free kick um the player beat i offer and then ran into him and the player let the, the the ref let the play run on and then called it back for for the free kick clever to go under the ball clever but awful as i've kind of said it just it's such a signal it really is i don't know the thing that pissed me off on the commentary they were like oh i bet they've studied wednesday that they know that they jump i'm like no, I don't think they have. No. I don't think. I think it's just you naturally It's always chancing your arm, isn't it? I think the, the under yeah. the, the wall one. He did hit it pretty sweetly. It went sort of pretty near the corner. Should, I'm going to say something incredibly naive, and you can kind of do a bit of cleaning up here, Rich, and you can kind of uh, roll up a newspaper and bash me on the nose for this one. Um, in terms of conceit... <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> in terms of conceding free kicks, okay, let me sound like I'm a complete... Um, I'm going to sound like a complete idiot here. <laughs> okay, a ruse. Okay, Wednesday conceded a free kick outside the box on the edge of the D. Is it maybe better if we don't have a wall at all? I don't know if you need one quite as big as we had. Because we went uh, with five. Was it five men in the wall? Yeah, I think when it's that close and you've got big men. Maybe more free men and a baby, you think? Maybe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, the baby we, being Joey Pelopesi. Yeah, we bring on Ted Danson <laughs> and uh, Paul Riser. And then there's a ghost. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the other thing I don't know is 
was that another bit of a goalkeeping howler? And we've got we've got a lot of history though with with a goalkeeping. You know, a tone through all of our goalkeeping is the goalkeepers can't seem to set a wall properly. Yeah. They can't set a wall properly. They don't know what he's doing because there's a lot of like I, I felt, and especially in watching Wednesday. You know, I feel like I can either get the same mentality from either a bit of commentary from somebody in the crowd or on Radio Sheffield or like, oh, you know, he might not be able to see it if they pop it over. And that's usually what happens, you know. So I don't know what Wildsmith is supposed to be seeing. You know, it's too late for Wildsmith to see it, but it'd be too late for Wildsmith to see if it goes over the wall. You know, I just, I don't, yeah. I don't I get do it. Think, I do think, fucking get it. I'm not sure that that's, I, I think we've, we, we, you know, with the, the, we are definitely going to have a talk about the goalkeeping situation at the club um, within this episode. But I, I'm, I wonder how much that is just, actually goalkeepers are not, once you hit the target, goalkeepers are not particularly good at free kicks. I think particularly ones that are that close, um, if you hit the target, it's not too far off being a penalty. Do you, do you know what I mean? He's only four yards away from it being the penalty spot. So hitting it a good hard shot in the corner should be very hard for the goalkeeper, particularly if they're stood, you know, two thirds the other way of the, of the goal. But I think that was one of the things, the game that you watched, the the, the West Brom uh, Huddersfield game, goalkeepers did make mistakes. And I, I do think when you hit, hit the target, Actually, you tend to get the ball bounces back or you tend to get another nibble, another chance, or you score. It's just hitting the target seems to be so difficult and almost all free kicks go over or wide or hit the wall. It's actually really rare for a free kick to hit the target, but when it does, it always seems to cause problems. Um, and again, I, I don't feel I'm looking on at this and I'm like, what are you trying to? What are the goalkeepers trying to achieve? What are the you know? Because it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the goalkeeper's show there. I'm not expecting I'm not expecting a, a play like Tom Lee's to just miraculously leap like a salmon and kind of head it wide or get enough on it to, to get get it wide of the target. You know what I mean? Like he's the one who's calling the shots here. And the interesting, I just I'm curious because it's not it's not my practice. It's not we don't watch football for goalkeepers. No, you know we don't. We will kind of watch it for kind of play and positive play. And naturally, I guess it's really an interesting thing there that we don't typically see many. <laughs> we don't see many coaches. It's a small percentage of coaches who've gone from a footballing career who are goalkeepers. Who's the only yeah. one I can think of? Like Tim, Tim Sherwood. So I don't. There's a mentality in a lot of things you probably pick up from being on the pitch and in training and in the dressing room and, you know, in and around football. But we have a much more better understanding of what good goalkeeping is because we've seen good goalkeeping. But it's one of those situations where I just have no idea what they're trying to achieve, you know, because he can't really see. And he's trying to get to a position where he can see the ball being struck. Is that it? Well, I think goalkeepers tend to set up the wall to cover as much of their goal as possible. And I'm sure statistically you would be better off giving yourself the best look at the ball. Mm. But I'm not sure that's what they... Because then you're just reacting and like you think you'd be reacting to it like a penalty, which, you know, I feel should be something that, again, I'm probably maybe just being completely off on this, but that's something that goalkeepers should be practicing and should have more of a knowledge of doing yeah. it. I just, I don't know with Wildsmith. It looked like he, <laughs> he looked like he was being shot for the penalty, you know? He's so bad at penalties. He is bad at penalties. Dawson is a lot better at penalties. That's what we've kind of said, right? I Dawson think, yeah, is a I lot better. It's fairly, fairly obvious at this stage, yeah. I, I wonder, there's a bit of, so to kind of hark back again to the, the mixed martial arts thing, but 
there's a, a phrase that they talk about in, in in fight sports often in terms of who your sparring partners are and things like that, that iron forges iron. So if you're sparring with someone who's very good, you're going to get better at a quicker rate than sparring with someone that you're much better than. And maybe we just don't have someone that's good enough at taking free kicks to test goalkeepers at it. Bannon's rubbish at shooting from free kicks. Really bad. Really, really, really bad. He's bad at shooting. He's he's worse at shooting free kicks. So who's putting in the balls that are testing Wildsmith? And mm-hmm. you're going, actually, do you know what? I need to drop a man from the wall because I didn't get a good chance to see that. Or do you know, we you're only as good, I think, as a goalkeeper as the people that are tra- you're training against. You're, mm-hmm. That's what's forming how good you are. And he's very, well... I guess again the interesting thing with that free kick I mean it is clever of what he did because but also how many times have people tried doing that and it's not worked yeah yeah yeah. it it doesn't work more often than it works it is a gamble it's a ruse isn't it it's a ploy it's not it's clever but it's like it's probably not going to work nine times out of ten right we should shuttle along a little bit Um, there was a free kick shout for Harris on the edge of the box. I thought it, um, it looked like there was contact. It was definitely out of the box, but I thought there was contact and he was maybe a little bit unlucky not to get the free kick there. don't know if you had any thoughts on that moment. Not particularly, no. No. We Then we, 78th minute, we had a good corner in, a good header from Atty, cleared to the edge of the box and Murphy had a poke at it with his left foot and it, it went in. I don't know that it was going in from Murphy's hit, but it, um, no, that was a pretty, it, it deflected yeah. once or twice on the way in. Pretty savage deflection. Pretty lucky. Um, so that, it was a weird uh, seesaw of a game uh, uh, emotionally, this the one, because when they went 4-1 up, I was just you know thinking, oh, I want to switch off. I just want to go do something else. Then we hit back with that. <laughs> that goal and you're like okay or maybe we're gonna have a go at this um unfortunately it kind of meandered again for too long probably for us to have had a proper chance at getting the, the game back we swapped Pelopesi for Hunt and I think his legs were useful towards the end um but Harris had a really good drawing down the left got kind of pushed back by the defense but picked out Murphy and I think that was one of the things that the commentators picked up on is those two passed to each other so often today mm. the, the the two wingbacks they, they just seemed to be a ball that was on all the time and it was a good one Murphy put a great cross in and Atty put an absolutely great header into the top corner what uh, an absolute beauty so did you also see that basically the two goals from Atty knew you take him to 50 Sheffield Wednesday goals in his career now oh that's nice it is nice it is really nice considering that we don't know if we don't know if the uh, the Big Dave show is getting cancelled at the end of his season. Certainly, certainly in our um, in our TV region, it seems to be the case. But um, <laughs> he, he may end up on like you know RTL Spy in Germany or something like that. Um, <laughs> and then I, I said, interesting now for the last few minutes or not because I before I've even finished my notes, Wildsmith gets beaten again. Terrible positioning. Terrible yeah. Should we let Dawson have the last game? <laughs> I don't know. It was he going just... for his water bottle? What was he doing? He was so far back. Shall I, I tell you who we should have for the last game? Who should we, we have? We should have Paul fucking Jones. Yes. Reward him for his How loyalty. about the one we've paid him? We've paid him a good wage for the year. You know, extra he, he goes he goes to his ATM and puts in his card and like, yeah, they've paid me again. <laughs> who knew? Because I've done fuck all for the club. 
fuck me. <laughs> well, I need I need another keeper to keep on contract because it kind of saves you know it saves face from both monks kicking um, drop kicking Westwood out from the um, you know from the dressing room and also saves saves face on his face shaming injury and monks face shaving fallout right because he's not yeah. injured. Yeah, he's not injured. Oh, he is injured. Okay, well, we need to sign Paul Jones again because if what happens to Dawson and Wildsmith, we mean what happens to Dawson and Wildsmith if they're like you know complete garbage. But, but this there still that, seems to be complete garbage and still seems to be keep playing. So exactly that, like the Cabano one, he just didn't look engaged enough with the game. You've got to always be on your toes as a goalkeeper. That's the whole th- like. Half of your job is just concentrating. Mm-hmm. And he just looks sweet. I don't know whether he's getting a cap or having a chat with someone or whatever. But that read one is dreadful. He's so far back in his goal. There's absolutely no need for him to be that far back. He looks so surprised by it. And he shouldn't be. It's probably the worst out of them, I think. I think the Cabano one is bad. I think the Mitrovic one, I'm sure Mitrovic is a good enough striker that he kind of gave him the eyes a bit, a tricked him. But it's pretty bad still. The, the, the free kick, it's maybe a clever trick rather than anything else. Mm-hmm. Certainly the, the expectation of somebody doing that is not a natural thing. But that yeah. one from Re, from um, Cordova Reed is unforgivable. Because if he's paying attention, he could just put his, drop his hat on it. The only excuse for it is that he was he'd switched off and he was thinking about what he was going to have for his dinner. Um, and it's annoying because we'd fought our way, we'd, we'd sort of battled our way back into it. And amazingly, they put Odoi on, who is tiny. I think he's 5'9 or something like that. So they put yeah. on a centre-back that we should have absolutely gobbled up if we'd got a chance to put some balls into the box. But it all it's all for naught because he couldn't be bothered to pay attention to the football match rubbish absolutely unforgivably bad uh, and i also um i also brilliantly and rather beautifully had that goal spoiled for me by flashcore because i went to go check the championship to see what the other the other the other results were and i'm like it's 5-3 i'm like no that can't be true and i looked up and then didn't have scored after about three seconds later. Twice I was checking things like team cheat things on flash scores and I saw the big chance. Do you know they started flashing the big, ch- which basically means they've scored and they're just waiting for it to be confirmed, presumably. And I saw that twice for Fulham, um, the big chance. Uh, so had goals spoiled for me. I just had to sit there and wait for it to happen. The awful thing, <laughs> like like a horror movie. It's like, mm. I know there's going to be a jump scare. I don't know when it's going to be, but it's coming. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here on my hands and wait for it. Um, there was an awful, awful rugby tackle on Murphy before the end. Um, and the commentators seemed to get their reads mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> or they'd miss the fact that Harry yeah. a yellow. Yeah. But he was sent off for a second yellow. Both of them gained in about three minutes of football, which uh. they were two goals ahead in. Stupid. You'd be fuming as the manager that he's got himself suspended for a really important game for, for no good reason. But um, mm. that was that. Was that. That's so, all she wrote. That was all she wrote. It's, so what do you make of the... I think it's natural to talk in a game where you've led in five again. What do what do we think of this goalkeeping situation at this point? What, it is... It's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. We have three keepers on contract 
who aren't good enough. They're not good enough for the championship. I don't know if they're going to be good enough for League One. I don't. I don't think there's any magical transformation that when you go down, no, that suddenly the players that you've had that have been shit in the league above are suddenly like world beaters. It just doesn't happen. Like I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next season. None of us do. Um, no. I don't know what type of it's. I, we're gonna. I feel we're gonna have a lot of depressing days if we in in either league. To be honest with you, I think we'll probably do about the same that we've done this year. Probably, hopefully, without a fucking points reduction. If we get, you know, I'd rather it all happen this season now. If we're gonna, if if it's if it's if we are guilty, yeah. I just the Westwood thing makes it so complicated because we gave him that extra year. He there's yeah. no chance of moving on, so that's no. a huge chunk of our budget dedicated to it, and that, that's why. And apparently, if rumors are true, he's one of our highest paid players at the club, which I'm is sure, insane. I'm sure because he well he he backed himself and and it paid off. He you know he kind of played the game brilliantly. Oh yeah, he did. He really did. Uh, because yeah, he he's he got that last two year contract when he was riding high. Obviously, he, I'm sure he wouldn't have thought that it was all going to fall apart. But it reminds me a little bit of what happened with Nicky Weaver. He kind of forced himself through enough games to look a viable option, and I'm sure at some level he knew that his body was failing athletically. I and think um, he got another two really... years of sitting on the bench, base or sitting on the on the treatment table, paid. Uh, it's... it's interesting you mentioned that. I think the a key word for Wednesday in this post lockdown. And I felt it was actually kind of through in some of the play. So when we were crisply passing about, it looked good. But you had that feeling and it kind of felt it looked like Fulham can do that a bit more effortlessly than we could. Yeah. Um, but when we were doing it, it looked like, here's a word, it looked like we were redlining. Yes. Yeah. And redlining is very much in terms of player fitness, in terms of, you know, Monk getting his gaffer tape out. Um, he. <laughs> He can't do a Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Skyscraper, as you've said, Rich. <laughs> um, it's it's asking a lot of everybody. It's yeah. asking a lot of... And we're asking, we're also asking Dawson and Wildsmith to be anywhere near competent first-team starting keepers. And I, it just doesn't look that way. I, I'm especially staggered. So I, here's the funny thing. We've given, we've given lucrative contract to Westwood. We've given a long contract to oh, Dawson, which, yeah. you know... God, I mean, it's he's. Um, there've been U.S. presidents who've lasted less less time than, uh, than Captain Dawson at Sheffield Wednesday. You know, it's um, wondering if Dawson's going to get impeached. <laughs> oh dear. Um, the I was saying our choices are basically. Dawson, Dawson toasted that with a "Are you afraid of the dark?" kind of contract revelation. You know, he got his, <laughs> got his flashlight out and said, "You know, the horror was with that he, you know, he wasn't any good and he was terrible." And so we had that. The, the thing I want to kind of say was about Westwood and Dawson. Both of them got heavily linked to other clubs. Like apparently, Westwood was close to signing for, or there seemed to be a lot of noise about. Huddersfield being interested. When was that? That was before. No, no, that was the beginning of the season. I remember that. Don't remember that. Um, but I don't. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just. No, but I, I'm genuinely the thing I want to say and bring up with that because we've we've heard so many things about Dawson before he signed the contract. Like, oh, Derby are interested, and Celtic and Rangers are interested, and it must have all just been complete agent bollocks. Really? Yes. Because yes. I'm, I'm staggered. Other people are looking and think, "Oh, this is a keeper with a lot of potential in Dawson." And similar thing for Wildsmith. So how many? We've got like another two years for Wildsmith or something. Yeah. We've got another year for Westwood, and so 
we're going into a position where we've wasted a bunch of money on so many things and we have financial fair play ramifications if it's still a thing so here's the thing so if we're found guilty and we flaunted this do we get the profit from this year on the books. I don't know. Because effectively, does that mean that we have quite a rosy season of losing more money? Because we're always going to lose money. This is the point. With this is clubs always lose money. Clubs are just losing money hand over fist. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of criticism, and people can say a lot of things about Chancery. Um, but the real sad part of the matter is we kind of need him to keep kind of keep uh, yeah. keep dolting our money. Him going to his even bigger cash machine, and you know, getting another horrendous withdrawal to fund this team of absolute failures of overpaid catastrophic failures um so <laughs> i know what it's for i think that it's a deep lying worry slash frustration because you're right we've we've made this mistake you know well mistakes several mistakes we we've given westwood a contract like he was at the height of his powers yeah Regardless of the personality situation, Westwood was dropped on form. He was playing really badly. Some people have forgotten that. But Westwood was terrible this season. Outright awful, costing us games. Um, I actually think the other two are not quite so bad in that they are not so kind of, I don't know, so full of their own (laughs) confidence that they cause dramatic issues for other people on the pitch but they are neither of them good goalkeepers or good enough goalkeepers for where we are they both have some slight merits that set them well against the other but neither of them all round neither of them i just think it's purely and simply it's just the goalkeeping is not good enough whatever you dress it up they don't save enough shots they don't bail us out often enough. You need a goalkeeper that will pull out some world, uh, uh, not even world class, just difficult saves occasionally. You can't have it that every time you get a free shot, it goes in. And that seems to be the case with Dawson and, and uh, Wildsmith, that basically if you crack through the defence and get your shot away, they will let it in more mm, often. I really think we need to as a club. Like, again, it's going to sound like a really terrible football manager position, but however you do it in real life, but essentially, you know, the real life equivalent of going in football manager and clicking on each one of those players, making them available for transfer or for loan Mm. and just getting rid of as many of the free of the big three as possible. And then you look at getting someone in. We could probably do with, I felt like saying this before, I felt like even during the previous time, I, I think my Alice brother Andy thought I was being an idiot with this, but I said, we basically need like a Stephen Bywater type character. Yeah. I could do with a pretty average championship keeper because average is better than any of these three. Oh, Bywater is streets, streets ahead of, the only one that, Westwood on a good day probably touches Wildsmith and touches Bywater for, for sort of quality. But yeah, mm. he brings huge amounts. I th- So I think Dawson is closer to that mould. I think Dawson seems to rally the defence a bit better. He seems mm. more vocal. You see him shouting. And I think he comes for things more often. He's more likely to go grab a cross from the air. Wildsmith is very hesitant in that regard. But then while, but Dawson's kicking is abysmal. And Wildsmith's is a bit better. <laughs> Dawson's better at penalties. Wildsmith is probably a bit better sort of all round. Do you think Dawson's better at free kicks? I mean, it's pretty marginal, right? It's pretty marginal. I, I, my, my little joke that I alluded to earlier, which is 
not it's it's aging badly even in my mind but it's the choice in goal is would you rather wash your balls with sandpaper or gravel and my answer really is i'd prefer soap please give me some soap <laughs> well maybe we could do a little bit better and can give it like a little um like a little dust bath like a little... yeah dust bath i would i would take dust at this stage that's a bit like how isn't that how you clean like um like what are they like rodents and stuff like this don't you give them like little yeah, yeah. but i you see how i think i see why and how certain goalkeepers just hang around seem to hang around forever mm. because we've been actually ridiculously look i just think when you see this situation i'd always assume just oh there's loads of good goalkeepers around but it just seems like we were good we were really good at picking them and i and i wonder how much influence our goalkeeping coaches have had in you know the connections they have in the game the knowing yeah. good and and yeah. I wonder how significant losing Andy Rhodes was because mm. Weaver's never he doesn't really have a coaching history prior to us. I know he's he had a storied career, um, but it's it's that those links and knowing because we only got Kirkland because of our because of Rhodes. I think Wild, uh, I think Westwood was in part encouraged to come along because of his link with Rhodes. So that losing those little bits. There's little bits of kind of I don't know connective tissue to to the world of football. It is important. It's it's a yeah. It does matter. Um, and maybe even just the fact of just having someone who's give you an honest opinion on someone. Mm. I'd love to know. There was a there's a sort of coverage of um, Joe Hart, who in some ways is a, is an impressive figure. You know, I think he speaks well on issues around mental health and things like that. Um, but I I was never convinced. In him as a goalkeeper I think he was lucky enough to play behind some very good defenses and I was always skeptical of how good an actual goalkeeper he was when he was when it came to just saving shots and he's now whatever age he is 34 or whatever he is and he's without a, a job a, a career a, 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 a a club for the first time in you know however many years and people there was people saying that what a sad situation for for Hart but I do wonder like if if you know if you knew somebody that was at Man City and you were looking at Hart they would know what he's like in training every day they would know you know they would know more about his frailties more about his how he really is than probably somebody watching him in a game would know De Gea when he was is another example of this where when he was getting all these this praise and plaudits he was playing behind a team that was set up a bit like we were under Stuart Gray to just defend and mm. so when he was playing behind a Van Hal team that that were awful to watch he probably where he was faced on average four shots a game and he kept loads of clean sheets and he looked really good and he got all these plaudits the best best goalkeeper in the world and then when he's playing behind a more porous defense he makes more mistakes he looks less you know less untouchably brilliant and you just want i just wonder i mean goalkeeping such a sorry it's such a strange position in that in a lot of ways, you're very, very reliant on what the team in front of you. A bit like a striker. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, of all the things that make me worried and low-level depressed about Sheffield Wednesday at this point in time, <laughs> the, and there are several, the goalkeeping situation is probably top of the top of the list. I know. But I just, it, I don't know if, like, the stuff we're not seeing um behind the scenes there probably is stuff that we're not seeing but i don't know if it's going to be anything notable to really make us change our minds on anything i don't know whether 
But I, I, it just feels like a face-saving exercise. Yeah, maybe. I'd love to. I mean, we might be sat here in a couple of weeks' time where we've actually signed a, a lone goalkeeper from the Premier League or something, and everybody can see the same issue we have. And regardless of where it leaves us budget-wise, we have to address it. That's my that's my thing is, I know budget-wise we've overcommitted. You know, if you're looking at it as a business, we have massively over-invested in what we have goalkeeping-wise. Yeah. But for the good of the team and the, you know, whether whatever our aims are next season, we that we're going to be let down time and time again by Dawson and Wildsmith. Yeah. I bear them no ill. I think they probably are good enough to go play League Two level, um, possibly League One. I don't know. I, I just think we've managed to produce a fair amount of all right goalkeepers, but not, none of them are outstanding. You know, look at O'Donnell and people like. Yeah. You know, you know, this is really funny, Rich. That actually, I've actually written very similar things against Westwood in the player ratings. Okay. Should we? Should we maybe kind of hop? Let's do that. that. Let's do that. I think we need to goalkeepers move goalkeepers to the death. Yeah. I'll I'll quickly run over what I've said. Wildsmith five. <clears throat> Maybe a 4.5. I'm going to give him 4.5. Yeah. Should we play Paul Jones for the last game? Question mark. Both Dawson and Wildsmith can go for me. If they're going to be such amazing keepers, then maybe they can go throw in a series of goals for other clubs as part of their magical development. <laughs> not good enough this level now and very much not ever. I'd love to see them never have to face a penalty again as we concede so many penalties. And I don't like seeing him look like he's getting shot while facing penalties. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A 4.5. Yeah, yeah, 4.5. I concur. Um, so then we want to go to Iorfa. It's not going to get much better. <sighs> Slightly better. Iorfa gets a five. Yeah. Um, it's probably the worst game he's had for Wednesday. He's gone backwards since Lee's came. He's Lee's came back. I think he's less suited to that right hand side. I think he can't. His brain is either fullback or centre back, and being in that position, which is kind of a bit of both, just doesn't seem to suit him as much as. I think he can put his, you know, he can flick it into either mode, but in the middle it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Tom Lees? Tom Lees gets a five as well. Um, I've said he's flat-footed so often. Yeah. Do you find that? Yeah. Because, I mean, he's ju- he's just as bad for the the Cordova-Reed goal, by the way. Um, I was singling out Wild Smith, but he was so far off him. Yeah, flat-footed is... Is a, is a good point. There was also one point where somehow he managed to end up with the ball in their half, you know, like in a winger position. Mm. He just looked up and seemed to like, you know, like, you know, you know, like somebody waking up from a dream or a nightmare and like going, <gasps> and it was almost, you could see his face go, oh, I'm really far forward. What do I do? Get rid of the ball. Yeah. Just get rid of it. Yeah. <sighs> the other notes I've said, I'm surprised he doesn't completely lose his balance more often. Uh, throwing himself to the ground like a cheating striker, but only because he's lost all his balance like an old woman. Maybe you might fall over and need a hip replacement at some point. <laughs> I I don't know with Tom Lees. Again, he needs to, uh, I think he needs to move on, really. I'd like to see him move on before the inevitable move on from the end of his contract, which is, um, we've got some really good mileage and some great seasons out of Tom Lees. But it's um, it's such a shame that so many players are in that position where there's a lot of them, isn't there? You just can't wait to see them go by the time they leave. Uh, the weird thing with Lee's is I'm not 
I wouldn't be surprised still if we managed to drop in a good experienced centre back and Tom Lee suddenly looked his old self again. I wouldn't, mm. it wouldn't like blow my mind because uh, as we, we touched on, like he's too young to be, this is not a kind of athletic failing. He's not lost his legs or anything like that. It's a crisis of confidence and he's never been a captain, never ever. He, he doesn't, he's shy. You know, you can tell he's a pretty introverted guy. He, when he's interview, interviewed, he's softly spoken and things like that. He's not a natural captain figure. It's just that he's been here a long time and he plays centre-back. Yeah. Those are the two things that point towards him being a captain. He's always needed an older head next to him. I don't. Unfortunately, Berner is not that experienced head. He don't, they don't bring the best out of each other. Um, but yeah, if we manage to find somebody in a kind of Leuven's type mould. I wouldn't be surprised to just see Tom Lee's click back into things, but mm. as it stands, his position, he doesn't deserve the position he's got in our squad at the moment. He's another guy that's, you know, if you're looking at salaries and things like that, he's he's overpaid because what the return we're getting on our Tom Lee's investment is, is you know, it's, it's, we're in negative equity when it comes to Tom Lee's. Um, Berner? I'm going for 5.5 because I... I the hard the point, point just basically saying is a mild a better one but the yeah. catastrophes at the back really like um i think that's all you can really say yeah i think that's fair enough um moses Hodabajo? i've gone for 5.5 um i because he was at fault for the first goal and it's it's not huge but it's still enough of no like he's missed a header again you know yeah. And then we get to see him slip and fall over and then scramble back up to try and get back and, you know, challenge. Who was it? Who was the fallen player who scored again? Cabano. Cabano. Um, yeah, the boy with Biscuits. a fornit. The boy with a fawn in our side. He was Mr. Cabano. He was. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's fair enough. I. Mm-hmm. I think again, by and large, and this is a theme with him. By and large, he did okay most of the rest of the game, but and he was unlucky. I, th- I think on another day he might have had an assist. That the fact that Luongo was the player that was under his little chipped cross uh, and not somebody a bit more tall or switched on um, was a bit unfortunate for him but yeah a five and a half I'll go along with Um, speaking of Luongo Luongo six maybe he's really less that QPR game he was exceptionally quiet I can't remember anything of him I remember more of Pelopesi this game than I remembered of Luongo and that's that's really damning actually it's going to be a 5.5 for Luongo (laughs) He's dropped down. Drop point. I know it, what, it just... First half, I didn't know what the midfield was supposed to be. I didn't know. Because Bad the... was really far on the left a lot of the time as well. It's so... But this is is kind of we've got the we've got the back three who were poor, and then we've got the centre midfield three who were just Average. just not involved. You yeah. know they they weren't. You know it's basically saying these people were bad because they were involved, and they were, you know we can yeah, see yeah. we we can see their crimes. These are some like the midfield three were like anonymous hackers. You know, <laughs> I felt like um, the centre back three. Middling there. <laughs> their crimes, they're like kind of like um, people who've um, prominently embezzled cash and are <laughs> uh, plastered all over the tabloids. Uh, the middle three are people who, you know, people who probably uh, are scamming people online. Yes, okay, yeah. They're anonymous, anonymous criminals. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, well, what about the anonymous Mr. Pelopesi then? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, I've gone for a six for Pelopassi. Uh See no Pelopassi evil, hear no Pelopassi <laughs> evil, speak no evil regarding Pelopassi. <laughs> I actually thought he wasn't too bad today. Um, I, I love that challenge in the second half on the Onima. Oh, yeah. Like, Onima had a real burst of pace, and then Pelopessi just took the ball off him pretty nonchalantly. And also, that last-ditch challenge on Mitrovic in the yeah, second half right. was perfect and seemed to injure both of them at the time <laughs> as well. Uh, the, the, yeah, the, the bloody crap commentary were like, oh, well, what did you think of that penalty show? It wasn't a penalty. It was a perfectly no. timed challenge. It was yeah. a lovely challenge from Pelopessi to just completely dispossess Mitrovic and I'm really glad because even though Mitrovic got himself a brace um it was a moment of making him look ordinary which I really yes. enjoyed yeah which is one of the few positives so Pelopessi was maybe this is the best Pelopessi I've seen in a while wow and he gets a six in the in the gamut of Pelopessi performances this was the untouchable high <laughs> six yeah oh dear um, Barry I, I must have written something interesting here. I, I said a bit. I don't know what my notes kind of came across. I was tapping this out on my Evernote, and my previous text must have gone askew. I've said a bit limo today for Bannon. I don't know what I meant for that. I really can't kind of figure it out. Uh, maybe it is a bit limo, though. Maybe that's very a, a bit limo. It's a bit. It looks classy, but it, it's uh, it's a bit needless. And it doesn't right, really do okay. much. Um, it's taken a it's taken a limo to the um, to my, the local supermarket. Maybe my exactly. My experience of a limo is um, you think it must be somebody famous, and it turns out to be teenagers. It's a sixteen teenagers. Like so, maybe really that's for Dan. You you came expecting something exciting and out of the ordinary, and ended up with um, something fairly banal. <laughs> His final ball was off on quite a few occasions today. Um, I feel like a six is generous, but I mean, it's still Bannon. That's the problem, right? I, just, I know. But it's, it's just the, the corners were bad. There was one really nice fluid move, which I can't remember. I think it was in the second half. And we crisply got it out to Murphy. I can't remember what happened after that. Murphy just sort of crossed it straight into the keeper's hands, unfortunately. But I do remember the yeah, moment. Yeah, you remember the one with the, that little flick on? That was absolutely yeah. nice. Yeah, that was lovely. Maybe it's, it gets, maybe that, but it wasn't bad. But it's just a not, you, again, it's just that un, un, anonymity in the middle of the park. Like the midfield did nothing today, which I'm also wondering if, again, like, I think as you've made this very clear on a lot of occasions, Rich, you know, the defense is overtaxed because the midfield doesn't do much. Yeah. Do you know you what know, I thought today? Wildsmith is overtaxed because the defenders aren't doing much. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's a giant knock-on effect. It's the butterfly effect of Sheffield Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I thought with Bannon today... <laughs> Bannon farts in midfield and it means that uh, Wildsmith... Uh, Wildsmith Wild, gets blown Wildsmith. backwards into his goal. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's it. It's the butterfly effects of Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> I thought today with Bannon, I, I once again, incredibly impressed at how fit he is, having played almost sure. every minute since the return. Sure. He was hounding things, chasing things down, and, and looked, you know, physically looked fresh as a daisy, even towards the end. But I do feel, I think mentally, he's probably completely exhausted. We look to him for every idea. Oh, sure. Um, and he doesn't shirk that. We've talked about how sort of brave he is in that regard. But it, 
Yeah. He looks like a guy that needs a holiday. Um, he's just, it just looks like he's running on empty in terms of, yeah, his mental faculties. So although his incredible engine is carrying him through and he's still very present, um, it's what's failing him is is the quickness of thought and things like that. He just looks a step behind where he normally would be, normally should be. Um well, Rich, let me tell them what he's won. He has won an all-expenses-paid holiday of about three weeks until football starts again or something ridiculous. <laughs> At home with his missus and his kid. Yay! We get to see well, Bannon. He seems, we get to he see seems Bannon right just, into uh, both of them, Luke, from his Instagram. So, actually, probably pretty happy. Oh, good. Oh, good. I hope he gets rested. But still, <laughs> the point being, he can't go anywhere. No. You know, no one can um, bloody go anywhere. As I got pre-screened for a uh, massage this week and they said you know did the whole have you been out the country you know in the last 40 oh. days and i got to give the coy response of, oh, i thing. wish yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about harry's 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 um <laughs> i go for a 6.5 um Probably the best in that midfield for the, especially he, he was the bottom one. He's probably our brightest player in the first half. I just wish he'd gone at Hector with that chance. Ugh, that's it the only. Like we were going to get some change from him on the wing because I mean that, everything should really be our benefit of what we can do on the wing. Well, that's the difficult yeah. thing with Adebayo is like he he was perfectly fine being there on past performances, but yeah. oh man. Murphy all day. Murphy all day for the wingback yeah, role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I suppose it's a, it's a little bit like, you know, rewind a, a year or two. It's a bit like the sort of Palmer Hunt thing, where they're both able to do the mm. job defensively and probably uh, Odebadjo is a touch better defensively. I mean, we've not seen him push too much, but you'd hope, <laughs> given his, you know, what he's spent his career doing. But once they get over the halfway line, it's night and day. It's so much more useful and, and vibrant for the team. Um, what about Penelope Cruz up top? <laughs> it was a real vanilla sky from Penelope Cruz. Oh. Maybe the remake. Um, it was a 5.5. Wasn't... He was there for 45 minutes, wasn't he? He was. We, we um... normally do, uh, when it's half and half, we normally do them at the same time, but we missed Odebadjo, so we'll just... We'll go through the starting lineup and then we'll uh, we'll hit the oh, sub. Right. Yeah. Uh, Trumpy bum, windy ass. Five point five. Wasn't really. I mean, he should, have, he should have had an assist. That was a great pass for Harris, and Harris should have done so much better with it. But yeah, he um, it was a bit disappointing. He looks a bit tired, which is fair mm. enough. Still, like a lot of what he does, but he looks solid. This is. This is the thing, it's like, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, there's got a lot of games, all the players are going to be tired. But again, the argument is, well, look at the other clubs. They seem to be doing fine. I you know, don't the teams know you're going up teams. against. I don't know that there's many teams with a squad as thin as ours. So you don't think other teams are redlining as much as we are? I don't think I don't I don't think there's many teams that have lost four first team players. Um, we're re- we're redlining, they're mainlining, aren't they? <laughs> Something like that. Like, oh, I get this, get this lockdown foot in our veins. Oh, <laughs> boil, boil me a teaspoon of this uh, COVID football. <laughs> <laughs> but we we lost senior players who didn't want to stay on. 
So that's been a bit. That's a huge chunk of the squad gone, and a big chunk of our quality. Um, and then the injuries on top of that, the fact that we've lost Kieran Lee, we've lost Origi uh, Day, we've we, um, lost several others. Oh, well, we didn't have Windass for half of it. I just think, yeah, we've we've Palmer. Yeah, yeah, Palmer. We've just gone back to the well so often with the same set of players, and it. I think it is. It has been a punishing schedule. Um, and yeah, I just don't think there's many teams that have are as limited in what they have to draw on as we are. Uh, okay, let's start running through these subs. Uh, Murphy? Uh, 7.5. Yeah. Really star of the match, I think. I think man of the match goes to Murphy, if there's any need or call for a man of the match in a game like this, you know? Yeah. Connor Wickham? Uh, Wig Wam Bam. Um, Gonna be mildly better than the starting strikers if he can. Um, maybe said by um, was it Sweet? Who cared that one? I don't know. Not sure. Just to, just to muddy my way for a late reference when I'm getting tired. <laughs> I'm tired in general. I'm tired of everything. I'm tired of Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Um, Bannon needs a break. We need a break. <laughs> We've never gone hiding from sticking the boot into Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> this just for 54 weeks. Now, so does Wickham get a six? Fucking shite 1920 season. Wickham gets a six, yes. <laughs> Come on, Luke. Slapping Luke across the face. Come on, stay with me. <laughs> pull, pull yourself together, man. Yeah. Uh, mildly bad, I think, is all we can say about Wickham. What did you think about Connor Wickham? Uh, yeah. I, well, he was brighter than the, the starting strikers. I, I, I would have been. I think probably again, this is wise after the event. But I probably would have kept one of the quick players on and brought on just one of the bigger guys. Um, probably I would have brought on Atty to be honest. Uh, but there we go. I thought that we've talked about two big lumbering centre forwards is not particularly um, a, a great choice very often. Rich, uh, Rich Miller showing a bit of a callback there. It's a bit. Bit, bit, big, big man, little man partnership. You're saying that, Rich? I would prefer that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I thought he there was that moment as yeah, was he wasn't helped by the supply sometimes. Bannon was sort of asking strange things of him. You know, there's a couple of balls he sort of belted down the line, and Wickham sort of looked at him to sort of say, "I'm not one of those quick little guys." <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so. There was a couple of those moments. Um, what about Atty New Year? What did we think of what Big Dave today? New Year. Give him a seven. What a... Uh, we, he deserves another year. I know. But it, it depends if we're going to see him for another year, though, right? Like, I genuinely... I genuinely don't know what... I'm, I'm re- I think there's certain players in the squad you're like, I feel I've got a good idea of what Gary Monk thinks about you. As a yeah. Actually, I think there's a fair few that I really don't know what the, what Monk thinks about them. So I, the, the, the ballad of Adley knew you for me, um, definitely is, it, it definitely is about the whole fact that like, and I, I feel like if somebody would come and put like the words I say about Adley knew under a microscope, <laughs> They would kind of come back and say, well, what you keep doing, Luke, is you keep saying that basically is not good enough for a starting berth. But like you definitely for squad football, you need a player to be fourth or fifth choice striker. And he's exactly who you want for that. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. But yeah, we need 
I feel like we need new you, but we also need better than new you, really. And the problem's been right now is we don't really have, in terms of long-term options at squad, we don't really have better than new you. I think most times I'd rather play new you than Rhodes. I'll be honest. I just think he's he's tremendously effective and efficient when he's on it. I mean, there yeah. we've had plenty of times we're not being on it. I, my preference would be a one-year deal, not a two-year deal. Um, but, you know, I remember that interview where he talked about all these players that have been brought in. He was getting some stick at the time. And he's like, well, I keep getting picked. Do you know what I mean? Like, I... <laughs> Like, all these strikers have come in, and I'm the first choice. Like, sort of just saying, like, that should tell you something. I'm doing a, the job that I'm here to do. And it, in some ways, he's just pretty undeniable in that regard. And, like, there was an hour's talk thread that listed all of the, the strikers mm. that have come and gone. And mm. Atiyu Yu has pretty much been... I, yeah. First, second, or third choice. He's been in that pool of first-team strikers. Yeah. I've seen whoever did the whoever did the Twitter thread of that. The only thing I would say was he, he apparently outlasted Leon Best. I, I can't remember Leon Best coming back. Did he have a second loan spell on Wednesday? I'm not sure. Because I, I remember seeing that and thinking, I don't think Leon. I don't. I'm I remember not sure being interested about in that thing, one. But I don't think we. Yeah, maybe we didn't keep him. Yeah. Anyway. But, but do you know what? I, I, it still stands to reason, and I, I love I love the fact at the time that he was sort of there's an inner confidence, inner belief in Atty. Atty knows what he's about. He's a grown up person in a lot of ways. Do you know what I mean? Like he he, he has no um, he doesn't have ideas above his station. He knows what he's there to do, and he knows no, what. He's, no. he, and, and and I think in a way we know what he's there to do. And as you say, in an ideal world. If he did sign for another year, he would be the fourth or fifth choice. Yeah. But realistically, what we have on the books at the moment, you know, he's going to be first choice again. Um, but we I'm have still, that. Like, I even think playing. even beginning of Adi New Year, we got like 10 goals a season out of him for him being first choice during a Stuart Gray season, right? Yeah. And it was almost a bit like, the whole argument about like oh they need minutes but basically the, the kind of argument about the minutes is they need to be a, a, you know on the pitch for so long to get 10 goals you know i need yeah. to miss six chances before i score one you know so i'm still very happy with new you i'm like i love him in a cameo position i feel like he could start a bit more often i think that's what that's under monk i think he's been underused yeah uh, there's been times where I think he should have been the guy brought on from the bench when he hasn't been. There's been times where I think he should have been the guy that started where he hasn't been. So maybe that does tell us that Monk's not not a huge fan. I I just think he's <clears throat> obviously he's got the, the the physical gifts. You know that 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 frame is is just hard to get round. And at a certain point, you, you can't win a header if you can't be as tall as the guy that's next to you. Do you know um, he's but on top of that, he's he is a gifted footballer. I know he kind of has this lethargic way about him, but generally he's a good passer of the ball. He's he's fairly good in possession. Um, I'm not making a kid. I, I, I would be disappointed if he's our first choice. You know, come first game of next season, here we are, Atinui up front on his own. But then I also wouldn't worry about that either because I know what he's there for. I know what he does. Um Let's move on. I don't, I don't remember a huge amount of what either of the other two subs did, but we should probably just give them a cursory glance over. Adam Reach had a header that was pretty well saved. He looked bright when he came on. I will he did. say. Did you? I didn't even see that header because it, it kind of got lost, and they never they never went back to it from the yeah uh, replays. And it's disappointing. They were watching something. They else. had a mentality of like I think they had a mentality of like how did he miss from the commentary. 
But then, yeah. also, well, it's also a good stop from Hector. I don't know. Um, but anyway, regardless of that, I thought he was bright. I'd, I'd probably say we can probably give him a six. Okay. Almost I, substitution ratings are kind of different, difficult, but also yeah, sometimes they're a bit more generous, and sometimes they don't quite capture it fully. I don't know. What do you think of Alex Hunt as well? That's the final substitution. Yeah, Hunt. Uh, again, did he, I do, don't did he do anything when he came on? Because I can't remember him at all. He nearly got into a scrap. <laughs> he just looked like he was running around a lot, which kind of added to the vague feeling of momentum and excitement. So a vaguely positive influence on things. Mm, sure. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Five and a half, six. Something. Well, five and a half feels harsh because he didn't do anything wrong. So maybe six is, is mm. fair. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That was that. Anything else to, to add? No, I think that covers it. And we're Final game of the, the bizarre Final yeah. game of the season on Wednesday against Colin. Mm. They can get, still be relegated, so you know we we could have been in a position where we were playing a Fulham team that had nothing to play for. That wasn't the case. In fact, mm. we were playing a Fulham team that would have had a boost by the early kickoff. Um, and similarly, we could have been playing a Borough team that were like us and completely safe. Uh, but we're not. We're playing a Borough team that are very much in a fight for their lives. So, um, yeah, rather than playing two teams that could have been on the beach and had their slippers on, we're, um, mm. we've had two very competitive matches at the end of the season. Um, what do you think about maybe just, just kind of, we finish this, we finish talking about the following game and then just kind of look to last game of the season. And this feels a little bit insane to bring up, but we can have a quick look at permutations right now. Okay, permutations. So let's just get a quick overview of the, the championships. So basically, Leeds are champions. They're automatically promoted. Yeah. Leeds are going up. And it's, it's going to be really difficult for Sky Sports to really give a fuck about any EFL games next season, isn't it, really? It is. It is. That's going to be a real tough one for them. Is there a maybe, golden boy that could go down from the... Uh, I don't know. Did you wonder if like maybe Nottingham Forest now become certainly renewed if they, if they don't go up? Yeah, maybe. I'd, I'd, I think it's... My gut feeling is it's more likely that it'll be like if West Ham or somebody go down. Oh, they can't go. Yeah. Oh, they can still, I think, maybe. Is Wayne Rooney still going to be at Derby next year? Is there a question of that? I, I don't know. I, I don't know how long his contract is and what that is. He must have another year or something. He's part of the coaching team, isn't he, or something like that as well? Well, it's that's kind of the thing, isn't it? He's only way. paid. He's paid a tiny amount of salary for his playing and he's paid a massive amount for his coaching role, which gets around some of the FFP implications of him being there. Just brilliant. Just brilliant. How, how so lovely. Cool. Great rules. Great rules. They're really good. Good mm-hmm. rules. I'd enforce them as highly as possible and I'd be very harsh with it if you can as well. Yeah. The second automatic spot is alive. It's not dead in the water. No. Nope. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with that? I feel like another team's going to slip up again. Really disappointing results in terms of that, I must say. Yeah, both of them losing this weekend as well. <sighs> yeah, that's kind of insane. Still beating Brentford. It's incredibly surprising. And Huddersfield. <laughs> Huddersfield looking looking very good against West Brom, who looked very poor as well. That was very strange. Yeah. Um, still, I guess there's still, I guess, a few questions uh, about the top six. Whether you know who's going to kind of slip in the automatic race. Yeah, the South Wales join that, and the yeah, South Wales, South, South Wales ding dong for for a sixth position. Yeah, um, and then at the bottom, <laughs> we don't know about our situation, but unfortunately, basically twelve points now would relegate us. Twelve points would also, as it stands, bring Wigan into the bottom, as it stands as well. So it looked like they may be, you know, after whooping Hull the other day, 
But they've got um, a positive goal difference, haven't they? So they do. They do. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, is it could it be decided on goal difference? In which case, it's positive for us. We have a lesser, you know, bad goal difference than other teams. A lesser bad, yes. We have the least worstest of the goal differences. Um, so you know, as it stands, mathematically, Middlesbrough are still, but like once. You know, once uh, if point deductions come into it, which we feel like they're going to, then it looks like it, it's kind of like everyone else gets gets kind of floated upwards. You know, they kind of get buoyed upwards by that. A nine point deduction would now take us into the final relegation spot, so we'd be on forty seven points. Mm. Luton and Charlton on forty eight. Um, Hull on forty nine. If we get nine points and we're on forty seven, if we can get twelve points. That means we're still outside of it, though, as it stands. I mean, we've also got to think about Barnsley playing as well. Well, 12 points, as I say, would relegate us. That would put us on 44 points. We couldn't catch yeah. the teams above. So 12 points would be a, a death knell for the season. Nine points would give us a fighting chance. It would put us third bottom because um, we're on 56 at this point in time. So we'd be on 47. So we'd be in 22nd position with four teams Within spitting distance, and actually, I think just beating beating I, Borough would would save us basically because we'd swap positions. I, you know, the real sad thing is, I think it's a bit we're a bit too far from the playoffs for a points edition. <laughs> points edition. <laughs> yeah, annoyingly, unless we got the full twenty-one. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Then we'd be, I mean, we'd be slightly disappointed we're not in the conversation for automatics. That's true. Imagine a points edition. That'd be so funny if the independent panel, you find out it was Tommy Craig from Coronation Street was the uh, independent person. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, dear. So, yeah. I suspect that uh, if Villa go down, they they would be the um, the team that Sky once again fawn over because they did that last time they were down. But mm. we'll see. There um, is a conversation if Villa come down that they open the conversation regarding FFP with the FL again. Yeah, but if QPR is anything to go by, it will come off completely toothless and pointless. Mm-hmm. And in ten years' time, they might be charged ten p for the terrible crimes against football and humanity. <laughs> It just, I, I, I don't know whether now that we've lost, that, you know, we've drawn and lost in a week and we're in a different position. You know, when we were 10 points clear, you get to the point where it's like a nine point deduction is actually quite bad. But by when you get it this close to the end, you're almost, it almost, it's almost meaningless. Like if, if, if you take nine right. points and the team is still safe, then it's not really a penalty at all because there's not, it's not like you get placement money in the championship. You know, in the Premier League, if you were deducted nine points and dropped four or five places, that would probably cost you a couple of million pounds. In the championship, you only get money if you win. So there's there's really no penalty to it unless they take it off us and relegate us this season, which does make me feel like just on the kind of moral basis, we must be more likely to be penalised next season than this. You'd think so, but it. it but I don't know where the morality to be, comes to it. And none of it seems to follow any sense of logic, does it? Really? Uh, no. I mean, to have this, to have ours brought forward, because again, that's the whole thing. Parry seems to be. I'm just pandering to what the public want, and the public seems to be what a Steve few teams. Wants. What Steve Gibson wants, and maybe Barnsley wants. 
and Hull, Luton, Charlton. Basically, I, I the thing the funny thing would be I'd be interesting to see outside of the bottom six, seven teams in the championship, who else really gives that much of a fuck about it? Yeah, probably not many, I wouldn't have thought. Considering a lot of clubs are skirting so close to that themselves. And we we know who the offenders are from last season. We know who the repeat offenders are and people like Birmingham this season. We know who newer list of offenders are because of that free year cycle. I'm wondering who else is going to be an offender next year. Yeah. You know, when clubs think we need to sell players, but there's less appetite for selling players because finances are even worse now because of the pandemic. How are they going to get buyers for players to kind of help balance the books? It's going to be very strange. The other thing that has to be, well... It's not. It doesn't factor in. But I feel if we get to a challenge or a court case, we simply have to point to is how disruptive this has been of our season. Mm. This is a charge announced months and months and months before they plan to act on it. Then this, as you say, like prompted by one or two clubs, it seems to get pushed forward because they want it to happen this year so that they can get you know they get themselves saved from their own failures Mm. it just but it's you know it's had such a notable impact on our team and our performances Mm -hmm. and our points tally we've not had a fair shake of it because of the disruption of this and i do think at some point that's got to be taken into account i just think it would be incredibly cruel to take our position in this league away from us on the basis of half a season ruined by this case and then the punishment from the case that was pushed forward at the behest of one or two it just seems mad that that can happen yeah but then but then i we talked briefly about this but scandals have happened all through the football league the way that the efl have handled i know this is an an unparalleled crisis you know we have to say that at the start of every email to new people how are you coping in this unprecedented time Um, but you know, granted, this is a never you know once in a generation, once in a lifetime thing. Nobody's ever been through this before. Nobody knew how to react to it. But the EFL have committed scandalous, committed to scandalous actions completely across the board. Why is it so important that so pr- promotion is so important that we have to play playoff games? We have to have a showpiece final at Wembley. But clubs who are in the relegation battle don't get the chance to play their way out of that why is you know how is that acceptable how is that a decision that was made it's baffling you know Tramia Rovers what had won three games in a row and have been relegated on this points per game basis without being allowed to kick another football but teams that were you know happened to be in the playoff picture on this points per game basis at the at the time that the, the line was drawn get to play out the end of their season there's just so many problems with the way that the EFL have acted. I do wonder how they're going to cope with all of the legal ramifications of, of what's happened in the last three or four months. Uh, and they're also piling their own issues on top of that by chasing ourselves and Derby and other other clubs. For, and potentially, mm. as you say, if, if Villa get relegated, that's another one on their case. I mean, do they have unlimited resources? Do they have unlimited legal support? They're just going to be fighting on so many fronts. Yeah. I hope we benefit from the fact that they are just biting off so much everywhere. You know, they just pick something that kind of gives them an easy life. <laughs> 
something that kind of ticks the box of a punishment but doesn't do us over because so that we can just kind of not joyously accept it because I think genuinely I think the club feels they've done nothing wrong in this regard this is not this is not the financial fair play punishment that we're being raked over the coals for this is the where the sale of the club falls in our accounting cycle and the sale of the club itself that's a different matter so there we go joyous all these good things um please come back and join us for the last pod of the season next week um hopefully we'll have a bit of a clearer picture of things i unfortunately feel we could still be in flirt limbo land as luke coined earlier uh, this time next week but um you know we'll we'll send off this season we'll we'll give it a you know the coroner's verdict on the season and uh, and and the picture ahead for wednesday and um yeah that's us i think we should wrap it up luke do you that sounds good cheerio everybody cheerio luke see you rich see you, everybody let's just give millsborough a doing over and we'll all feel a lot better about life all right <laughs> Thank you.